Earnings season ends with corporate Australia in good shape. Russian troops push towards Ukrainian capital Kiev and why pet funerals are becoming big business. It's Tuesday, the 1st of March, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning and happy first day of autumn to you, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. First day of autumn. Don't think I'm happy about that. No, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Basically, as soon as you kind of get to the, what is it, the winter solstice, then everything starts to get a little bit better, but we're on the run downhill at the moment, Sean. Yeah, yeah, 20th of June. Come on the 20th of June. Does that sounds a long way away. I can't believe you actually know what date it is, but then again, you know all kinds of weird and obscure and, and often uninteresting <laughs> facts about dates, so I am not surprised. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. And of course, stay listening for Sean's chat to David Tudhope, CEO of Macquarie Telecom. A really interesting chat about a company that's been in business for almost 30 years, but has managed to keep itself right at the forefront of technology. Really good chat, that one. But first, Sean, the December half earnings season has come to an end, and overall, it was a pretty solid half year for corporate Australia. Yes, it was, Michael. Companies seem to have weathered the Omicron and Delta variants reasonably well. While obviously it differs by sector, the broad themes were rising inflation and supply shortages, along with fairly successful cost and profit margin management. Outlook statements were generally more positive than negative. That's good. Almost two-thirds of companies reported higher profit than a year ago, and 54% raised dividends. That sounds good, but that's actually a lower number than normal. Consensus earnings growth expectations for the current financial year have been revised up from about 13% to nearly 15%. What about specific stocks and sectors? Any standouts for you? Oh, I'm so pleased you asked, Michael. I'm so oh. pleased you asked. <laughs> this is my bread and butter. I love this stuff. Look, Rio I Tinto- know you do. You, you live for earnings season, don't you? Mm, almost, almost. And, and, and now earnings season finishes just as autumn kicks in. It is a depressing time of year for you. Carry on. It's a tough day. Rio Tinto and BHP provided cracking results and massive dividends. BHP's was the third record dividend in a row. And of course, Rio's was the biggest payout in Australian corporate history. Now, that was largely thanks to strong demand for iron ore at a time when prices were really high. But demand for copper and aluminium in Rio's case and copper in BHP's case also helped. The laggard was Fortescue. It cut its dividend, its share price suffered, the quality of the iron ore it's producing isn't quite up to what Rio and BHP is doing, and it's suffering as a result. Now, the Commonwealth Bank reported half-year earnings and the other big three quarterly earnings. There's a clear delineation emerging in that sector among investors. Combank and National Australia Bank are the standouts. Westpac and ANZ have some work to do. And then there's Macquarie Group. It just continues to perform did well again this earnings season. The energy companies Woodside and Santos, they reported huge profits, again, thanks to surging commodity prices. And the healthcare companies led by CSL and Cochlear also impressed. Sean, you mentioned Fortescue. Were there any others that didn't perform so well? Well, the retailers were hit by lockdowns and restrictions generally, as well as stock and staff shortages. In the supermarket wars, Coles probably finished the season a little ahead of Woolworths, at least in the perception of investors. In the discretionary retail sectors, companies like JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman are struggling a bit to keep the momentum going at least. The property companies were mixed, very mixed in fact. And of course, the travel and tourism stocks, think Qantas, Flight Centre, Corporate Travel Management, ran into plenty of turbulence during the December half from COVID-19 and then since then from the war in Europe. And Sean, I suppose it would be easy if you're kind of one of the market darlings to think that the good times are going to continue forever. But at some point, often they'll fall down a little bit. Anyone that fit into that category this earnings season? 
I think Domino's Pizza really fits into that category more than most. Weaker sales in Japan and higher food prices led to a really big sell-off in its share price. It's probably a bit unfair to put aristocrat leisure into the basket, but the failure to buy UK group Playtech meant the company has pretty much had to go back to the drawing board on that. Its share price has been trending the wrong way the last few weeks, and James Hardy's share price has mostly been falling ever since it announced its results three weeks ago. Remember, Aristocrat Leisure and James Hardy were two of the better-performing stocks last year. Their shines come off them a little bit too. Anyway, that's the wrap. Earnings season is now all over. Normal business will resume. All right. So how did local equity markets perform yesterday, Sean? The S&P ASX 200 closed up 0.7% to 7,049 points following Wall Street's lead over the weekend. The big materials companies led the way with BHP surging 4.4% and Rio Tinto was up 3%. Fortescue fell 2.4% but it went ex-dividend. That explains that movement. The oil and gas companies Woodside and Santos also did well on the back of higher oil and gas prices while pretty much the same could be said for the gold diggers with the price of gold rising. Market leader Newcrest was up 3.4%. Generally, the banks were flat, so too the retailers. And what about global markets? Wall Street and European markets fell sharply overnight, while Brent crude pushed back above US$100 a barrel. Vladimir Putin putting his country's nuclear arsenal on high alert yesterday frightened traders and there was a rush to safer assets. The US dollar appreciated, sending the Aussie dollar below 72 US cents, though it climbed back overnight to be trading around 72.5 US cents. The value of the Russian ruble fell by nearly 30%. Now, demand for government bonds surged, pushing up their price and dropping their yields. That's after several weeks of gradually rising yields. In the commodity sector, some LNG orders were paused overnight, Black Sea wheat sales froze, and finance for trade is dissipating. Shipping costs are again rising. Bad news for everyone, with the immediate disruption being around the Black Sea trade, where about one quarter of the world's grain is traded. Okay, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia continues, and the next couple of days really are crucial. Yes, Russian troops took two smaller cities in southern Ukraine over the past 24 hours, and the capital Kiev and second city Kharkiv are under heavy fire. Dozens of Ukrainians are believed to have died in Kharkiv in particularly fierce fighting. The attacks took place while Russian and Ukrainian officials met on the Belarusian border to discuss a ceasefire. Now, no breakthrough was achieved, but there are reports this morning that talks will continue. Also, Russian President Vladimir Putin spoke to French President Emmanuel Macron and said a Ukraine settlement was only possible if Kyiv was neutral, denazified and demilitarised. Mr Macron called for an end to all strikes and attacks on civilians and homes. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, who remains in Kyiv, said the next 24 to 48 hours are crucial in defending the country. He's asked that Ukraine become an EU member immediately, something that usually takes years. The request will infuriate Mr Putin. Overnight, the United Nations said more than 500,000 people have now fled Ukraine. Long queues are on borders of Poland, Hungary, Slovakia and Romania. Now, back home, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has banned Mr Putin from travelling to Australia and all other members of Russia's Security Council. And Foreign Minister Maurice Payne said Australians in Russia should leave immediately. Several national buildings around the country were lit up overnight in the national colours of Ukraine. That's blue and yellow to show support. 
It's a moving feast, Michael, but there's little sign hostilities are going to end anytime soon. Okay, now back home, Sean Suncorp said the floods in southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales will cost it around $75 million. The images of those floods, particularly around Lismore that we saw yesterday, just terrifying. I had a friend who now lives in the States and he grew up in Lismore and I messaged him and said the floods are dreadful and he came back and said, well, not as bad as the 74 floods, which are legendary apparently if you grew up in Lismore. And about three hours later, he said, I've made a mistake. They're actually a lot worse. It is quite incredible the amount of water going into that city. The Wilsons River, which is the main river in Lismore, it's peaked two metres higher than its historic peak in records began back in 1958 and you know as you say people were forced to seek shelter on the roofs of their homes and I think there were 700 rescues or at least 700 rescues yesterday. Yeah I actually grew up about 20 minutes away from Lismore and anywhere you went in town in Lismore all the buildings have markings on them about where those historic floods reached and to think that the water through the town yesterday is now well above that is really pretty terrifying. Sure is incredible. As you said, Michael, Suncorp estimated the cost to it of the floods at $75 million. It's already received more than 5,000 claims, about 70% from Queensland and 30% from New South Wales. Now, Suncorp said it had comprehensive reinsurance policies in place. That means the insurer is literally insuring itself to limit the amount of payouts it has to make. It doesn't sound that interesting, Michael, but it's actually a massive global business. More on reinsurance some other time. Obviously, the floods are causing havoc and the Defence Force has been called in. New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet said the flooding was unprecedented and will get worse. In Queensland, an eighth death from the floods was confirmed. A year's worth of rain has fallen in just a week in some areas. Internet services are down, power is down, many, many retailers have had to close their doors, schools are closed, though hopefully the worst is over for the Sunshine State. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, now, Sean, it's a big week in the economics world with the Reserve Bank board due to meet today and economic growth figures for the December quarter due out tomorrow. But things actually kicked off with some pretty solid retail sales figures yesterday. Yes, January turnover rose by 1.8% over the month, much higher than most economists expected. Spending on food soared, but the strong growth really came late in the month post-lockdowns. Department stores recorded a sharp increase in sales. That's all according to the Bureau of Statistics. There was also credit data released yesterday. Total credit is running at a 7.6% clip. That's a pretty solid pace, that one. Mostly helped by housing credit. There has been a pickup in business credit as well, which augurs well for investment, which of course augurs well for the economy. Sean, buy now, pay later group Zipco is set to buy a competitor Sezzle in a deal that will take Zipco's user numbers from 10 million to 13.4 million. Yes, the deal was announced yesterday, as was a $200 million capital raising, given Zipco's share prices down 80% over the past year. Raising money is going to need true believers. Zipco will offer a 22% premium for Sezzle in a deal worth just under $500 million. Both companies' boards have recommended the bid. Buy Now Pay Later groups are desperate for size at the moment, and there will be more mergers in this sector. The combined Zipco Sezzle businesses will have 129,000 merchants. It's starting to get some size. The new group hopes to focus in the US, where Buy Now Pay Later is a relatively small proportion of the market, just 2% at the moment. Both companies were in a trading halt yesterday. It'll be interesting to see how they perform today. 
Now, Sean, I, I know that uh, you thought we left reporting season behind, but there are two more companies that I wanted to ask you about because they're both pretty interesting with some uh, slightly different stories to tell. PointsBet reported yesterday. Yes, and it led to a near 3% sell-off. This is a gaming group that operates in the US market. I watched this really closely over the last couple of years. Now, its share price tripled during the first year of the pandemic as prohibitions against sports betting were removed state by state in the US. That was really good news for an operator like PointsBet. The bad news is that plenty of new players came into the market, many with deeper pockets than Sportsbet. Its share price has fallen 76% in the last year. It's back to about where it was a couple of years ago. Mind you, it does have more than half a billion dollars in cash, which it plans to use to acquire new customers, but very competitive market. Okay, PointsBet was one. The other company that reported yesterday that I just know there is a story attached to this one, funeral business Invercare. Yes. I look, I think I have told this tale before, but it's just too good a story not to retell. And it came out yesterday as a result of its earnings. So Invercare owns a bunch of funeral businesses, including White Lady Funerals and Simplicity Funerals. Now, COVID was poor for Invocare because it makes its money a number of ways, partly by providing a funeral service, but also providing the refreshments afterwards. Obviously, there weren't many funerals because of restrictions and lockdown, so it struggled there. It also invests money from prepaid funerals. The markets took a hit. It really struggled. Now, last year, the markets returned. So as a result of those stronger investment markets, Invocare came back and it made a profit, which was great. But it's always looking for new earnings stream. And its boss, Oliver Cretien, reckons there's money to be made in pet cremations. In fact, it's the fastest growing segment of the funeral homes business because people want to keep the ashes of family members. And of course, a dog for many people is a family member. So no longer do people bury their pooch, they cremate him or her and keep the ashes. And Invercare's pet funeral business is surging. Okay, Sean, what's making headlines in today's news media? The Financial Review is reporting that almost perfect growing conditions and booming prices will help Australian farmers produce a record $81 billion in agricultural output this financial year, $3 billion more than previously expected. Farm cash incomes rose by 34% last year, marking a second strong year of growth for balance sheets. And The Australian is reporting that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has shocked Australians with almost two-thirds of voters believing the actions pose a significant threat to our national security, according to news poll, but the threat posed by China remains the most significant concern. All right, running through some of the other stories around today, the federal government, Sean, will consider how many deals tech giants Facebook and Google have struck with media companies and determine if the media outlets were fairly remunerated. It comes a year after the news media bargaining code was established in order to force tech companies to pay for content. While the big players have struck deals, some of the smaller outlets, including SBS, haven't. Both New South Wales and Victoria reported around 5,900 COVID cases yesterday and nine lives were lost across the two states. Queensland reported 3,300 cases and one death and the ACT reported 464 cases. It also had a death. There were more than 700 cases in Tasmania. 
A bit of an update on a deal that we've talked about previously. BGH Capital has upped its offer for Virtus Health, which is the reproductive services group. BGH already owns 19.99% of the company. Another predator, Capvest, may yet make another move, though, before this one's over. And Michael, Perseus Mining, one of the better performing gold stocks in recent times, will spend more than $200 million on an undeveloped gold project in Sudan. Now, the group already has three gold mines across Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire in Africa, and that strategy of investing in that region, notwithstanding all that sovereign risk that's around, seems to be paying off. I love these stories about gold mines in Africa. It it does just read to me like a Wilbur Smith novel. And the the sovereign risk element is a big one, and we saw that kind of backfire a bit last year as well, but still there's something a little bit exciting about it, don't you reckon? Oh, totally. And could you imagine actually mining something? Because infrastructure wouldn't be there, just housing and roads. And they're in areas, part of you, you think, oh, you know, let's not dig it up. But, you know, the other part is that you're actually providing huge amounts of income for these incredibly poor countries. Yeah, it would inject an awful lot of money back into local economies. But you'd want to make sure that it's a good gold mine before you invest that kind of cash in it. And clearly, Perseus Mining's made that decision. Yeah, it sure. I mean, it's actually got a pretty good track record now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what's the key overseas news this morning, Sean? Well, returning to the Ukraine, British energy giant BP will exit its nearly 20% stake in Rosneft, the Russian government-controlled oil producer. BP has been under pressure to dump the stake, and it will cost the group up to $25 billion US dollars, all things considered. It's easily the biggest corporate response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, other corporates, particularly the airlines, are responding to the invasion, For example, Meta Platforms, the parent of Facebook, has removed a network of 40 fake accounts hacking prominent Ukrainian individuals. Another example is Google. It's disabled some Google Maps in the Ukraine for the safety of the local communities. The Japanese economy is the third largest in the world behind the US and China and Australia's second largest trading partner, so its health really matters. But new figures released yesterday show a slowdown in manufacturing and among retailers. There are now fears that the Japanese economy could shrink this quarter. A big part of the manufacturing economy is the car makers. And figures show that Toyota's domestic production fell 32% in January and Nissan's fell 25%. And finally, some good news for travellers. Indonesia will no longer require international passengers in Bali to isolate upon arrival under a trial program that starts this month. The intention is to lift all quarantine requirements by next month. Passengers who are fully vaccinated will still have to take a PCR test when they arrive and stay inside their pre-booked accommodation while waiting for the result. Good news, though. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview. And today, Sean, you're speaking to David Tudhope, the CEO of Macquarie Telecom Group. Yes. Now, as you mentioned in the opening, David has been running the business for nearly 30 years and it has morphed from a traditional telco more towards data centers and cloud computing and cybersecurity. What I love about this story is just how this company has been able to change as times have changed and stay ahead of the curve. And so the area that it's involved in now, cybersecurity and data centers particularly, are exactly where demand is. It's just a really interesting chat to David. Yeah, it's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Tuesday, the 1st of March, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.